0: Hi, superstars. Welcome back to another episode in our Sorta Spicy series. If you are new to being a superstar, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for becoming a part of this group who truly do so much to keep Sorta Awesome running, not only through your financial support, but through your moral support as well, through just being the heart, the absolute beating heart of our awesome community. Now, this is the seventh episode in our Sorta Spicy series. So if you are new to being a superstar, make sure you've gone back. We started these last fall. Make sure you've gone back and listened because every single episode has brought something new to discuss. I am so thrilled about this episode of Sorta Spicy because I get to chat with one of my favorite people in the world, Julie Tupperman. You know her. She is a new Sorta Awesome regular. And I asked Julie if she might be interested in talking about a big part of her life that doesn't really come through when she's on the regular sort of awesome episodes, and that is her Jewish faith. Now, I want to clarify before I start talking to Julie, there's nothing inherently spicy about being Jewish, okay? <laughs> right.
1: I mean, there are some spicy aspects we could talk about, but in general, no. <laughs>
0: But um, as you're going to hear as Julie's story unfolds, Julie, of course, growing up Jewish in the United States and now living in Canada – There's an aspect to that I find to be totally fascinating to be, to being a uh, religious, part of a religious minority in the culture you grow up in. And I think there's something also so universal about living out your faith, whatever that may look like. So, Julie, thank you, first of all, for coming and doing a sort of spicy episode with me.
1: I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. I'm actually really excited to talk about this. And I mean, putting all these thoughts together, I might be a little bit all over the place, but hopefully it'll all come together in the
0: end. (laughs) I know it will. I absolutely (laughs) do know it will. And and you and I have kind of talked back and forth, like, what's the best way to do this? And I genuinely think if we can just kind of start at the beginning, because, again, obviously being a Jewish person and growing up in the United States, there is an element of like, Okay, this is not, I mean, gosh, we could have a lot of discussions about whether or not this is a quote-unquote Christian country, but there's a sort of Christian majority feel, especially depending on where you live in the United States, you may experience that more than other regions. And so there's that, but then there's also being connected to the greater community within your faith. Let's just start genuinely from the beginning with where you started out in life and and how this, let's just start with
1: your childhood. How did this play out? Well, Perfect place to start. Okay. So I grew up right outside of Washington, D.C., Um, but even before that, I feel like, especially if we're talking about the Jewish picture, all four of my great-grandparents immigrated from Eastern Europe in the late 1800s, from okay. Poland, from what is now Ukraine, from Vienna. They all moved to New York to escape pogroms. And if you don't know, because many people do not, a pogrom is an extremely violent, often deadly, always destructive, anti-Jewish riot. And there were tons of them. Oh, and okay. it was the, the anti Semitism, which is like, by the way, that's an entirely other podcast. So I'm, I'm not going to get sure, too sure, much sure. into the anti Semitism, but um, they escaped. And there's lots of stories we could talk about. One of my great grandparents um, hid under, like, inside a hay cart. They, you know, bribed people to get them out of the country. Um, oh, wow. Crazy stories. All four of them separately ended up in New York. And um, my grandparents, Grew up and lived in New York, my parents, but my parents moved to the DC area when I was an infant. So. Okay. That is how I got to DC. Um, yeah. growing up, my family was not super religious, but what's really interesting about Judaism is you don't have to be religious to feel really Jewish. So. Okay. Be, which is, it, it's almost counterintuitive. So I will explain. Okay. What does it mean to be Jewish? Another like six hour conversation. I will try to break it down to a couple of sentences. Ah, <laughs> yes. Being Jewish can mean any or all it could of these things. It's an ethnicity. It is a religion. It is peoplehood. It is culture. What it is not. Is a race and we can talk more about that as well. Okay. When you look at Judaism, there are, you can't trace Jews back to like really common ancestors. And this is getting real down in the weeds for a second, but there are different, like there's Ashkenazi Jews who are Jews who come usually from Eastern Europe. There are Sephardic Jews who come from Morocco and Turkey and Spain. So much to discuss there. But again, Judaism, not a race. So. Okay. Okay of those other things, not race. Um,
0: So wait, you said at the top of the list, did you say it's an ethnicity? Yeah. And so there's like, sometimes I think we um, conflate those two terms in our culture, um, especially if you are, you know, white and Caucasian, it kind of like all blends together in your mind. But so you can be ethnically like by your DNA, you're Jewish, right? But it's not necessarily what we would consider
1: like, technically a race. Exactly. It's not okay because it's, because it, it's, it's a, this is like a, I love talking about this stuff. So I'm trying yeah, to keep it. fascinating. Like, by you it. could be black and Jewish. You could be white yes. and Jewish. Okay. You could be a million different things and be Jewish. So it's okay. like ethnicity and race are different things. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it's a, a, and if anybody's interested, I can find all sorts of articles and things detailing that. Yeah. I'll send them definitely to you because I know that you're excited about this conversation. Yes, but, I love it. I love um, it. yeah, there's, there's a difference there. And so with my upbringing, um, So my mother was brought up, um, very religious, orthodox, which is one of the most, you know, observant. My dad was not. He was brought up, um, reform, which is what I, how I practice right now, which is, um, actually I printed out because I was looking for a good definition. So reform Judaism is the most politically progressive, social justice oriented. Um, movements within Judaism. Okay. And they really, the movement really emphasizes personal choice in matters of ritual observance. So um, I will give you that link as well, just because it, it really breaks down all the different movements in Judaism. Roughly awesome. 35% of Jews affiliate with the Reform movement. So, okay. Anyway, the, if you have somebody who is Orthodox, and somebody who is a reform, there's actually a movement in the middle, which is conservative Judaism. Okay. And conservative Judaism is – it's interesting. There's an enormous range of observance in there. Um, and um, so it's sort of like the – the I, you can't call it a happy medium, but it's sort of a midpoint between – midpoint. Orthodox Judaism where you're following all of the rules, the laws – the rituals and Reform Judaism, where it's really personal choice. You know, the Reform movement wants you to try things. If it's not for you, it's okay. So we grew up conservative. What did that mean? It meant even though we're not re- we weren't religious, we weren't going to services every week or anything like that we lit Shabbat candles every week, which my family still does. Yes. Um, and we went to Hebrew school three times a week. Okay, and that was totally normal in my world because what's really interesting is that. I did not realize that I was a religious minority for a very long time in my life, which okay. is really interesting. So I, I'm going to say everything's interesting a million times. So the Jews make up 0.02% of the, in the United States. I think I just mm-hmm. said that sentence wrong, but it's 0.02%. So absolutely 100% a religious minority, mm-hmm. but where I grew up had such a strong Jewish community, or s- such a large Jewish population, I should say. Um, we were our school system was closed for all the Jewish holidays, so there were there was just so many people. Sure. It, it which now blows my mind. But I was very active in our Jewish youth group, B'nai B'rith Youth Organization, BBYO, um, which was really a huge part of my life. Um, really gave me a start in my creating my own Jewish identity and yeah. and just understanding the global Jewish community. Plus, like all of the youth group stuff that you know, many people in the Sorta of Awesome community have talked about. And there are a lot of wonderful, beautiful parts of that connection sure. with people who are like you and the songs and the all of the stuff. Yes. So you were, so you were
0: doing that so I was going to my Southern Baptist youth group as I was growing up and again it is a a mode of faith formation, right? Yes. So yes. we're you know we come up through Sunday school we're learning the Bible stories but when you're in youth group you're kind of like learning how does this belief system that I'm part of apply to my regular life? And like you said you're learning the songs, you're going to camps and it's it's a shared experience. It's a shared experience.
1: And what's really interesting is that you know, for somebody like me who is growing up in a very diverse area in the United States, weirdly, I, I didn't realize at the time how unusual this was. But if on my street, the neighbors to the left were French, one over lived literally an Indonesian princess. Across the street were African American lesbian doctors. To okay. the right were a couple from South Africa. I didn't know that this wasn't normal. This and was- I wonder why I came out with the. <laughs>
0: The way <laughs> I explain, did. First of all, this explains a lot about you yeah. as a person
1: <laughs> as so, I know you. And then also
0: I can see how, yeah, like the just the normalization of complete diversity is something right. that you had from the, from beginning. the beginning. I'm going to ask you a very quick question because I'm, I'm very fascinated about this. You said you went to Hebrew school I did three times a week. So do you
1: read and write Hebrew? Is that- so I can, I can. Okay. Um, okay. Writing is harder for me because it's been a sure. million years. Um, what's, yeah. I, I can speak Hebrew. I actually, okay. I lived in Israel for a year, which I'll get to that because that was yeah. a really formative part of all the things. But um I I can understand it. I can speak it. It takes me a little while to get back into it because it's a use it or lose it situation. Sure, of course. But yeah. mostly Hebrew school, um, it was not conversational Hebrew. It was learning the prayers in Hebrew. It was understanding uh, what the prayers okay. mean. It was reading and writing. Um, okay. So
0: so Hebrew school then – okay, so I was thinking language-oriented, but it was mostly probably more like what we might consider Sunday school or something where you're like learning the basics, the foundations of what it means to be Jewish. That
1: including, and then build, yes.
0: Including Hebrew um, as a spoken language, but then also just like the entire – the cultural – Absolutely. Formation. Absolutely. Okay, got it. Got yeah. it, got it. Okay. Um,
1: So I really – I didn't feel other. I felt, it felt totally normal. And what I didn't realize at the time was that for me, BBYO and other like Jewish youth group types of things was a lot of fun. I didn't understand what it would have been like to be like most of the participants in, in these summer programs, in these international conventions. Most of them did not come from areas where they, you know, it was totally normal to be Jewish. And for them, this was the only time that they felt normal. And it's really interesting, and I'll I'll talk about this a little bit more later. But I, I just I had no idea. It was just it was really it was a gift. It was a gift, and it created a comfort in in myself that many of my friends growing up in tiny Jewish communities, like the one where my children are being raised, they didn't have so. Very Jewish, growing up, very culturally Jewish, not super religious. Um, and then I went to university. Um, we have not discussed this. I joined a sorority. I was—I I know that face. I was I never knew. deep, deep Meg into Greek life. So um, I'm an Alpha Chi Omega.
0: I, I cannot believe we've never talked wait, about. This. Wait,
1: well- this gets better because you're gonna—you're gonna die. I was not. I don't talk about this too often, but it's the superstars. I was not just president of the Panhellenic Association. I became president of the Northeastern Panhellenic Conference, which is a oh quarter of the country. I took Greek life very seriously.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. We're going to have to shuffle that <laughs> conversation over to Voxer because right. I have follow up questions. There's so I much. I never knew that. There, until right. this moment. There's
1: so much. And it's funny because you see certain themes through my life. Part of what I loved about Greek life was the community building and yes. the philanthropy. I loved yes. the philanthropy aspect. I love right. uh, so that comes when we, comes in again when we get to my professional stuff. So yeah. when I was graduating from university, um I had two serious options on my plate. One was to be a traveling leadership consultant for AKIO. Mm-hmm. One was to go volunteer in Israel for a year my parents were horrified that i would even seriously consider working for my sorority and they were like <laughs> I think you should go, go to israel they'd never been to israel they were like just no you've had enough of greek life like go <laughs> yes <laughs> go yeah. and i was like all right i guess i don't you know cuz my plan was to take a year or two off and go back to grad school um, because i wanted to, to ultimately work in campus activities student life something yeah. like that which yeah. I, I still would have loved but I, I landed in the right place. So I go to Israel through this program, which, you know, I'm happy to answer questions, but we don't need to take it the time now and had an incredible experience. I didn't know anybody. I had never done anything like it. Um, it was my second time going to Israel. I had gone once in high school with this youth group. Mm-hmm. Um, But I was living in Israel. I was in Ulpan. I was learning Hebrew. I was not a tourist. I was living in an apartment with a group of other women. I was teaching English in schools. I was working on a kibbutz doing agricultural work. There was a week that I was the omelet cook for the farm workers. It was a wonderful, crazy, crazy experience. And- In this is the kind of thing that we say, this only happens in the Jewish world. It's Jewish geography. I'm walking down the street. I randomly run into somebody I haven't seen since my BBO summer programs. And she's working at UMass Amherst at Hillel, which is many, many, many universities have them. It's sort of the um, foundation for Jewish life on campus. Sure. And okay. she's like, "Oh, I'm I'm working for Hillel. You would love it." And I was like, "Oh yeah, great. See you bye." And <laughs> yes. I'm, you know, I'm asleep on a couch taking a nap. Um, a week and a half later, and I get a call from someone that I, you know, I'm the rabbi at UMass Amherst Hillel. I hear you might be interested in a job. Oh. <laughs> <I was> like... <laughs> I mean, okay. I guess if I'm living in Israel for a year, not knowing anyone, I can certainly handle Western Massachusetts. Absolutely. So, yeah. Took the job, went to UMass for a year, and through UMass, I actually had what was truly one of the most formative experiences for me in, in terms of my my career path and my my personal identity. So we took a group of college students to Israel. Um, like it was like a winter break trip, and I was helping to facilitate like 30 undergraduates, everybody find their own connection point in Israel. So I want to talk about Israel for a second. The yes. crazy thing about Israel as a Jew is that everybody, not everybody, but most everybody you meet, especially we're talking you know, 20 plus years ago, um, everybody's Jewish. The garbage man is Jewish. The person bagging the groceries is Jewish. The bank teller is Jewish. That is not real life here.
0: Right or in the States.
1: It is yeah. it is just not. And it is, you know, some people found their aha moment religiously at the Western Wall. Some people found it walking down the street and being hit with emotion, realizing that their grandparents or you know, some of them never would have been able to have this moment of being yes. in a Jewish homeland. Mm-hmm. Um it was just and I had this moment where I was like oh my God, this is what I am meant to do. This is, I, I want to be part of other people connecting to their Jewish identity. So, right. so much for student life. Applied um, to University of Michigan, where I got my master's of social work and Jewish communal leadership. So I knew that I wanted to just work in the larger Jewish community. Um, ah. I then, I, 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 fast forward two years. I as I started as an intern, but stayed as a professional where I am now at the Jewish Federation of Metropolitan Detroit. Okay. Let's talk about what a federation is for a second. Okay. Best way to explain it. It's a Jewish United way. It's the best okay. way. Okay. so that totally makes sense. Yeah. We raise in Detroit um, roughly $34 million annually, and it gets distributed um, to 17 organizations locally and then, um, a number of organizations in Israel and overseas. And so, so are
0: all of those organizations Jewish or Jewish adjacent in some way? So they're
1: all Jewish, but you don't have to be Jewish to utilize most of the services. So okay. there's one organization called JVS. It used to be Jewish vocational services and sure. it, it's a Jewish organization, but they provide, provide, you know, all sorts of different employment it's a huge organization. They do incredible work, but um, they create programs for people with special needs to g- gain skills, getting women back to work, all sorts of different things all, ha- and actually separately and really beautifully, they do adult daycare for older adults with dementia and Alzheimer's, which is like yes. amazing, amazing yeah. stuff. So you don't have to be Jewish to utilize the services, but but we do only provide direct funds to Got Jewish it. organizations. There are Got federations it all over North America, Canada, and the United States. Everybody raises a different amount of money. Um, but one of the things that um, I love most about the organization is that every it, it's collective giving. Mm-hmm. And the concept of tzedakah, I want to talk about that for one second. Okay. The word tzedakah um, comes from the Hebrew word, um, well, this is a Hebrew word, but it comes from the word tzedek, which means righteousness or justice. Mm-hmm. People use the word tzedakah it's, it's giving charity, but okay. if you look at what the root is, it is, it is providing justice for people who ah. cannot do yes. or have or whatever. So, mm-hmm. so philanthropy and the concept of, of giving is, is really one of, I don't want to say core tenet. Cause that makes it seem like there's a, like, you know, here's the list of what you do to be Jewish. It is a very Jewish value. Okay. And, um, so but there's a huge culture of giving and, and not just to federation, like to tons of organizations. interestingly, when somebody dies in the Jewish culture, um, you, you don't send flowers usually. you don't you, you make a donation in their honor. Oh, and yes. you, if you if you look at a Jewish person's obituary, it will often uh-huh. say, you know, it'll list two or three places that were meaningful, not often not Jewish organizations, but places that were meaningful to the person or the family of the person who passed away. So right. it's just a really important culture. So or part of the culture. So for me, yeah. um, and I've had many different jobs within the Federation, it has been a real gift and joy to be part of. Something that directly impacts so many people. And it's yes. just I, I'm I feel so lucky and it's a cliche. I I really feel so blessed to be able to do what I do. So yes. I have been there for a very, very, very long time. Interestingly, one of the best parts about my time there is I have had extraordinary travel experiences. Yes. I have been to Israel over 25 times. For work, I have yes. been to Budapest a couple, once, Kiev a couple of times, Poland five times, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, I went to Ethiopia, which was unbelievable because guess what? There are Jews in Ethiopia and a lot of them want yes. to make aliyah, which means immigrate to oh, Israel. Right. So, mm-hmm. like, like, incredible experiences. I could talk for three hours about that. I won't.
0: But well, I, I know one time you were in Budapest. I think it was Budapest. Yes. And you, you yes, texted me a picture yes. of like a St. Nicholas sh- yes. a, a ship, a sailing vessel that was the St. Nicholas. You're yeah. like thinking of you in Budapest. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love it.
1: So it's and it's really um, some of these experiences that I had have been like really life-changing and and yes. truly incredible, especially So I want to talk about the Eastern Europe thing for a second and then I'll talk okay. about this for a minute. So Okay. A lot of what we do in Eastern Europe now is we spend some time looking at what and learning about, and this is all from the lens of Jewish identity, so we can connect these volunteers when they get back. And most of these trips are actually underwritten by donors, significantly okay. underwritten, so that because they want to encourage other people to go and connect and like get their their fires lit, and then come back and, and be involved in the community. Yeah. So, which is you know another really wonderful thing that yes. I'm so lucky to have been part of. Um, sure. In A lot of what we do is spend time learning about what happened during the Holocaust and World mm-hmm. War II, mm-hmm. and it really helps to frame who we are as American Jews, as North American yes. Jews. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's really – it's crazy. I have been to Auschwitz five times. So for people who don't know, Auschwitz was the largest um, concentration and death camp um, that the Nazis used. It's actually a really controversial conversation because side note for the history buffs, the allies knew exactly what was happening. And Mm. there are things that could have been done. And actually one of the most emotional conversations I've ever had in my life was after the first time I went and I was talking to my grandfather who has since passed away, who was in the army. During World mm. War II, and mm-hmm. he cried, and he said, "We knew what was going on, and we couldn't do anything about it." And like, he's Ugh. crying, and I'm crying. It was like it was. I'm going to start crying. Yeah,
0: That's so powerful. Yeah, yeah.
1: And mm. what's really interesting for me as a parent, when I first started taking these trips, like I, I was moved and I was horrified. And there's so much to talk about there. But as a parent, it broke me because no, you hear about yes. these things and you think about. Like some people have read the books in the movie Sophie's Choice. Like it was a real thing. It was a real thing. And also you might want to cut this part out, but in my mind, the Holocaust happened in black and white.
0: Of course. Yeah. And
1: yeah, yeah. it was like, it had to be so long ago. It was almost, it had to be fiction because how could it have happened? Okay. Obviously it did happen. 12 million people died. Six million of them were Jews and. It is, and you know, genocides continue to happen all over the world. And I think, you know, the the concept of social justice is another one of those values in Judaism. Like, Mm. you know, and and every time I would go back, it just reignited in me how important it is to be just to be involved because people lived because people said something or because people hid people putting their own lives at risk. It's really like so much to talk about. And I can make tons of recommendations if people want to learn more, um, But it's really, we could talk about that the whole time. Do you
0: think that that is such a strong value for Jewish people, not only because of the Holocaust, definitely because of that, but also it seems to me, again, just an outsider looking in, it seems to me that the Jewish people have had this like centuries of persecution, marginalization. Oh, yeah. The oh, anti-Semitism yeah. through, literally through centuries. literally. I have to think um, that there's something really formational about that to like the psyche of a people when it's been that way constantly. But interestingly to me, as I'm hearing you talking about it, um, I feel like you could go one of two ways on that. You could become the, you know, you could, it, it, it could become something so negative, but it seems like for as you're talking about social justice, that um, it becomes a point of inspiration, of like we want to reach out and support people who are, you know, struggling or in whatever that form of justice, that that really close connection between justice and righteousness. Like we want to make that real for people because of this history that we've faced. Does yeah.
1: that so yeah? Right it's, at
0: all, it, I think
1: <sighs> I mean, you're, you you hit the nail on the head, it, like centuries and centuries of persecution. And yeah. I mean, you could go back to the, the Spanish Inquisition. You could sure, go, I mean, course, even yeah. before that, um, I actually took a course on like the Judaism in the Middle Ages. I mean, fascinating, mm-hmm. horrible, horrible stuff. Jews really yeah. have been persecuted forever. And interestingly, and I really find this fascinating, for many, many hundreds of years, Jews were not allowed to own land. So if you look at what some of the stereotypes are of Jews as money lenders, of Jews in in like in in more, um, I want to say like intellectual thinky kind of things, Mm -hmm. it's because Mm -hmm. you could only take what was on your body when you were kicked out of a country. Huge piece Mm -hmm. of Judaism to, and it is encouraged, question, question everything, ask why, understand and Mm -hmm. learn as much as you can. 90% of Jews in the United States go to university. It is not an option. Wow! It is not an option to not go to college or not go to university because it is so important. And this is something that is like passed down through DNA. I don't even think people could understand it, where it came from, unless Mm -hmm. you really stop to think. But if you get kicked out, what can you take with you? Your brain. And that's it. That is it. Yeah. And the clothes on your back. That's it, literally. Or the things you've sewn into the lining of your clothes, which Mm. happened. Yeah. Yeah. so I think when you're talking about the social justice piece, it has always been a really important part. And you go back to like to to rabbis from centuries ago. You know the, the concept of um, tikkun olam, which is repairing the world. And mm. there's a phrase that it's um, you may not complete the work, but you aren't free to not start it. it so <gasps> oh, it's really that has so been good. it's yes. so good. There's song. I could sing you the song. I learned it in BBY. Actually, I learned it in university. <laughs> Uh, but the, like the, so the social justice piece has, is, is an underpinning for me being repeatedly because I never expected I was going to keep going back. But like one time I got lucky, somebody got pregnant couldn't staff a trip and I was like, oh, okay. okay. So yes you know, sometimes you just, you get lucky and you have these experiences and it just reminded for me over and over and over, um, especially over the past couple of years that silence is compliance. And mm-hmm. it's really, for me, it is really important to be involved in, in issues of equality and justice. So sure, I can't yeah. speak for all Jews. Um, mm-hmm. but I can speak for me. I don't, mm-hmm. I should actually, should have. Opened with that disclaimer, I do not speak for all Jews. I speak for Julie.
0: And I know that none of the superstars would expect for you to, right? For sure, but yes, there, I, I understand why you would want to make the disclaimer.
1: There is actually an expression: um, if you have two Jews, you have three opinions.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: So, and, and it's true. You're like it's, it's totally true. Um, okay, so through my professional life, I, I really have had all these incredible opportunities, and it, it has. It's really interesting sort of where it has put me. So I want to talk about sort of my right now, because okay. if I grew up not feeling like a religious minority, boy, am I feeling it now. So okay. um, for the Canadian superstars, they know that Windsor is like this big and the Jewish community is tiny. For okay, me- Windsor's in Ontario. Windsor is in southwestern Ontario. It is literally across the river from Detroit. If I walk a block down my street, I can wave to Detroit. Right across yes. the river,
0: and that's how you're able to continue your job, your long-standing
1: job that's in right.
0: Detroit, and live in Windsor. That's okay. right.
1: There are a number of people in in Windsor who commute to Detroit, and vice versa.
0: And Noah, your husband mm-hmm. is Canadian. Is that right? Yes, yeah, so
1: my husband is Canadian. And okay. so let's talk about that for a second because this is this is a good story. I met my husband. We got fixed up by a volunteer at the Federation who happened to be long long ago friends with Noah's mother, and I had a rule that I would not let volunteers fix me up because if it doesn't go well and they they still sit on your committee, it could get super awkward. This right. woman who I love dearly literally talked at me for 30 minutes until I said, yes, you can give him my phone number.
0: <laughs> I feel like I should underlay matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. For
1: 100%. 100%. So thank you, Cheryl. Um, So I met Noah and he, so the reason I'm in Canada, my husband is part of a family business. He's third generation and all of our stores are in Ontario. There's never been a chance we're leaving and which was not in my life plan to live in Canada, Um, (laughs) Uh, but not sad. Here we are. Not sad. Here we are. So Windsor has somewhere – okay, the Detroit Jewish community, just for a point of reference, has somewhere between 72,000 and 78,000 Jews and people who live in Jewish households. It's an important distinction because there are a lot of intermarried families who are choosing to raise children or the spouses are they, they are, you know, essentially Jewish but are not converting. And that's totally cool. Got it. In Windsor, there's like 1,000, 1,200.
0: <gasps> oh, my gosh. Right. That's drastic. That is and drastic. And that's just from Detroit, which you don't think of being like, there's like a lot of Jewish people living in Detroit. No. That's from just to Detroit to Windsor. Oh my gosh, Julie. Whoa.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's significant.
1: It's very significant. And what's interesting is, so I grew up conservative. I married my husband, who is reform. There is no conservative congregation here in Windsor. There aren't enough Jews to support it. It's okay. fascinating. You go across yeah. the border to Detroit. There's like- 11 conservative congregations, you know, I I don't identify with the Orthodox community. It um So Reform it is, and which I actually think Reform Judaism is a better fit for where I am in life right now anyway. But I mean, I grew up having 20 plus kids each year in my grade in Hebrew school. Mm-hmm. My kids have 17 kids in the entire Hebrew school from yeah. that's from four year olds until eighth grade. Oh my gosh. I am going to have to work really hard to make sure that my kids have Jewish experiences. They will be yes. going to, Jew- they are going this summer to Jewish camps, which is really important because for me, who also went to Jewish camps, that's where I got the joy in Judaism. Yes. That is where, like, just it's not, and it's funny, you say Jewish camp, it's not like everything is Jewish, it's just sure. camp with other Jews. Yeah, and, exactly. And again, like growing up, I didn't need it the same way my kids will.
0: It's so interesting because like you were saying, you went to camp with kids who were like, okay, now I finally get to be around other kids who are like me. We have the same culture, but it was just regular life for you. Now your kids
1: are the ones. My kids get to be the other. Yay. <laughs> Which i want to talk about because my kids are usually um, the only Jews in their class I joke sure. around. I am like the token Jew mom. I there's actually, There are a couple other Jews in the school, um, but usually not in the same class. So every year I have to go in and talk about what Hanukkah is. And I have to talk about what the Jewish holidays are. And every year, you know, like, we have a problem this year. Ontario, the province, has decided the first day of school – will be the Tuesday after um, Labor Day. No big deal. Except for that is Rosh Hashanah, the first day, which is one of the most important holidays of the year. Do I send my kids to school? Mm. Which I literally would never do. I -hmm. I mean, I I actually think it makes an important statement. I think people need to know that I I take this holiday seriously. But this would never... I mean, in in Detroit, they're starting on Wednesday. Mm. And part of this is just such a tiny religious minority and people are trying to get it changed. Who knows if it will or not, but, um, it, my kids are are having, it's just going to be totally different for them and things that I really took for granted. You're know, like all my friends had Friday night Shabbat dinners with their family. None of my friends here do. And mm-hmm. I have to decide, do I want my kids to be able to hang out with their friends on Fridays and, and, or do I want to continue this tradition? Um, yes. It's really, you know, and again, this is again, being the minority, I I really do feel different living here in Canada. Part of this full disclosure could be because I'm an American with East Coast parents. But there are a lot of things about me that are total stereotypes, total stereotypes. I am loud. I talk fast. I'm like a Seinfeld episode unto myself sometimes. (laughs) I mean, you, you and I have talked about this. This is true, by the way, about Jews. We... we layer conversation. Yes. As a a general, we do not see it as interrupting. If it is an excited interjection and your sentence makes my sentence better and I can, it's building and that's not done here. And it's a very Jewish, it's also an East Coast thing, but it's a very Jewish thing to do. And I'm expressive and I'm loud and I kick I hug people and I kiss people and I touch people. And again, this is like all the people i work with. This is totally normal, but I'm here in Canada and I'm in Windsor and I'm like this, this. No. Okay. Hi, how are you? <laughs> yes. So I, I, I think there are two things going on, but I, it's really interesting because, um, and we've talked about this a lot, you know, in, in, in multiple areas of sort of awesome, my friend group here in Windsor, I struggle because sure. I am not like everybody else. I'm, I'm just not. And part of it is my upbringing because when I am with other Jewish people, often there is just an ease. We come from a common oh, background. We get the context. It doesn't mean I haven't made wonderful friends because I have, mm-hmm. but it's not as easy. It's just Absolutely. Not as easy.
0: I think that so many people, I'm sure so many of our superstars who are listening can relate to that. It may not be a religious or a cultural difference, but yeah. just like if you even just move from one region of the country to another, if you grew up in Alabama and you moved to the Pacific Northwest, I think it would be a similar sense of like, yeah. I mean, we like we literally speak the same language, but we don't do things the same. And no. then when you go back home, there's a sense of just like, oh, I'm back amongst my people kind of. Yeah. relaxation that happens of your spirit, of your soul. And I can just imagine there's something I, I can think of times in my life that where I've just felt just enough other to feel like, okay, these are, these are friends and we get on great and we do things together, but they're not, it's not the same as being like with my people. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I'm just relating so much to what you're saying. Yeah.
1: It's, and, and I know it's not just about the Jewishness, but I feel it. And that's what's yeah, so yeah, interesting yeah. because. Yes. To me, religion in the past, like it wasn't, I never really felt, I said this 11 different times, like living in Windsor, okay, everybody says Merry Christmas and I don't celebrate Christmas. And by the way, there are a lot of other people in Windsor who don't celebrate Christmas. There are a lot of Muslims here. There's a lot of other religions. And you know, in Detroit, there's a lot more happy holidays in Windsor. It's all Merry Christmas. And I've had to have... Conversations with my kids, explaining because my son especially would say, "I don't celebrate." Christmas. He would get very, you know, he's eight now, right? So he would yes. just get very upset. Why aren't they saying Happy Hanukkah? And we've had to talk about, okay, you have to look at who's saying it and what they're trying to say. They're not saying if you don't celebrate Christmas, you're a bad person. They are right. saying have a happy holiday. And the, right. but but what it is is that the assumption is that we are like them, and we are yes. not. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, really. Yeah. um it consists it's a consistent reminder of difference yes. yeah. and um i think going back to the israel piece i think that's part of why you know for me i go back to israel and i i, I can breathe a little differently um yes. and i do want to address because i think it would be negligent not to you know the political situation in israel i got real strong opinions about it sure. um I'm really glad the current government or the the previous government who was in BB's government for, I think, 12 years was – I totally disagree with so many different things. Mm-hmm. But what's really challenging for me, and you and I have talked a little bit about this, is that yeah. it is – It's so complicated and it's so complex. And the media does a terrible, terrible job of representing both sides. And what people don't see are the wonderful things that happen. And the fact that an Israeli Arab, a Christian Arab, is in the political party that is running Israel right now. Like, here's the thing, Meg. Anti-Semitism, it's alive and well. It is alive and well. You know, there are still people making swastikas all over their place. There are people all over the world who want to see me dead. They just, they do. It's Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel good to think about that. And part of what is important for for me, for people to understand about Israel is that, I mean, look, there's no clean answer. And I guess I would just say, like, I still love the United States, even when I disagree with its policies. And I still Mm -hmm. love Israel, even when I disagree with its policies. And I also know that- if Israel had been al- around during the Holocaust, 6 million people wouldn't have needed to die. Yes. End of yeah. conversation for me and it's there's so much in there to break down and again if anybody wants any information I'm happy to send lots of articles cuz got you know there's so much to say about that but um well, I know, if, I mean,
0: you, I'm so thankful that you're adding to this. I think you're right. It would have been remiss for us to not acknowledge, especially since there have been right. such so big clear ups recently, which again, you and I did talk about, and I, I was just like checking on you because yeah. as you said, in the media, we just get such, I mean, you know, I mean, Western media just covers everything like that, like that you get like a like a 30 second headline, Mm -hmm. but to dig into the geopolitics of it, the history is so complex. Every person that I know, and most of them are Christian who have traveled specifically to Israel and have um, actually been in like the Gaza Strip and just like meeting with people, definitely Jewish people, Israelis and meeting with Palestinians. Every person I know that's traveled there has said it's so complicated. I can't Mm -hmm. even wrap my mind around Mm -hmm. it. And there's real people, real human beings Mm -hmm. who are living out the consequences of these, you know, massive geopolitical decisions. Some, I mean, generations later living Mm -hmm. out the consequences of it. And so, I'm so glad that you spoke to it for, and I think that you, you make another great point. Many Americans in 2021 can say, this country is great in a lot of ways, but we, we got a lot of problems and, I can be happy to be an American and have a complicated relationship with this country. And I love that you're kind of making that correlation to be like, I'm a Jewish person. I've been to Israel many times. I love the country, but it's complicated. Yeah,
1: And it was also interesting that I have two specific thoughts about this, so I don't want to forget to say them. People hold me responsible for what's happening in Israel. Mm, and mm, um, yeah. it is the past, with the, with the past situation, all of my Jewish friends felt the same way. They felt like it was being so negatively portrayed, they couldn't even defend themselves. They couldn't defend. Right. And we were, and like I, Julie, was being held responsible for decisions that Bibi Netanyahu is making, even if I don't agree with them. And people are coming at us. And the thing is, again, there are all sorts of things that happen that people don't know about. And mm-hmm. I think I shared this with you, but um, a number of years ago when everything, you know, was happening with Syria and Lebanon, they were sneaking people across the border from Lebanon into Israel to receive medical care, totally under the radar. People yes. who were absolutely not Jewish and it mm-hmm. didn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. you hear stories all the time of of Palestinians getting treatment in Israeli medical facilities because it doesn't matter. But that's not right. the story that's being told. Again, Israel is not in the right, in a lot of places here, in a lot of a lot of ways, but there are a mm-hmm. lot of things that Israel, as a country and and Jewishly, is doing right. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, but I would I would still say when I go to Israel, like I'm not different,
0: right? And that
1: yes. feels good. The, the, that those are my my thoughts on Israel. You wanted to talk about that? There you go. You got a whole lot of that. <laughs> um, it's funny because I don't think about being Jewish frequently at all. At all, because it just, it it is so much a part of who I am and how I function. It is like almost, it's not even worth thinking about because it's just part of it. Right. you know, then when I have the opportunity to take a step back, I realize how much of my life is saturated yeah. in in Judaism and with Jewish values. And, you know, I'm constantly, I, you know, I, I love to, to, well, not right now, right now, as you know, I read trash. Love that. But <laughs> I mean, one of our MIDI shared. That's uh, right. References. That's right. I don't want anything <laughs> that yeah. you're remembering that text that I sent you like yes. that, that with COVID, all I, you know, I wasn't marking it by Netflix shows. It was how many series I was Speed reading to get to the happy endings. Yes, exactly. <laughs> happy endings. Yes. Um, yes. But in general, I love to read a lot. I love to learn a lot, and you know, I have participated in programs where I can t- because part of the challenge about being of being Jewish, there's so much. There's so yes. much to learn. There's yes. so much to know. You know, when you talk about the history, and this actually connects going back to Israel, that when you're in Jerusalem and you are going to the the Church of the Holy Sepulcher and learning yes. about, you know. And learning yeah. about Jesus and how yeah. how does that fit in historically, and you all these things. And there's the Greek Orthodox Church, and there's the this, and there's the that. There's so much, um, and this is a very Jewish thing. I need to learn. I need to. I need to read. Mm. I need to understand. I need to right. argue about it. Right. That's another yes. totally true stereotype, by the way.
0: We like is. But it seems like, it, and it's another thing that's so culturally embedded. Mm-hmm. What I understand from you and, mm-hmm. and from what other, I've heard other Jewish people say is the arguing is not like confrontation. No. It's, it's actually a, again, a mode of communication where you are seeking to understand better and to make your understanding better known. But mm-hmm. it's not about like a conquering and conversation no. kind of thing. No, so, it's yeah. it's
1: really, I, so one of my, uh, in, in high school, two of my best friends, one was Jewish, one is Greek Orthodox. We are convinced that Jews, Greeks, Italians, anybody like Middle Eastern, Mediterranean, we are all the same people. And it's, oh, like, yeah. it's like the hands and the talking uh-huh. and the loudness. And it's because like, who wants a boring conversation? I want some passion in what I'm talking about. And that's, That's. I mean, I think there is a real stereotype there, and it's 100% true.
0: I have one last question for you because, again, I do think this is something that many people can relate to. So um, your job is also deeply connected to Mm -hmm. your religion. Mm -hmm. And so – I know for so many people, either being directly in ministry as a Christian, you know, as a uh, a pastor, a preacher, a missionary, something like that, or even being a volunteer, sometimes working in the behind the scenes of your religion can leave you a little jaded. Do you feel like you've experienced that in any way Um, in terms of like, you? it's, it's the whole thing of like how the sausage gets made, right? right. Like, you know things that you're like, ugh. I wish I didn't know that or I wish it wasn't, this wasn't how it worked. But then I have to think too. So I guess I have like a two part question, that aspect. But then also I have to think too that because that is your job, in a sense, especially when it comes to the customs and the, the cultural traditions. It would be like more inspir- inspiring to continue the practices because, like that's just like
1: the normal thing that you do as part of your job.
0: Okay, so that's okay, like a two part thing.
1: It's it, and they're both great questions. Okay, so I am lucky in that I am not involved in the religious side of Judaism. I am in the community side of Judaism, and that it's interesting because I am. So, so, so deeply involved in the Detroit Jewish community. And in Windsor, I am only a little bit involved. I'm, mm. I am I am on my temple board, but only because there literally weren't enough other people to do it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, if I'm not going to step up, how can I ask anybody else to? Because this is literally my job. So, yeah. um, but I don't, I, I do find that sometimes it takes a toll on my desire to do it. Like to yeah. really like, like, oh, I do Jewish all day. Do I really want to do it at right now and like make a Shabbat yeah. dinner and like, oh. but then again comes the thing of my kids. And I think yes. about, this is not about me. This is about yeah. what I want my kids to walk away from. Like, I don't care who my kids marry. I would love for them to marry someone Jewish. It would be, but I wouldn't, I would never like disown them or anything like that if they chose not to be Jewish. I mean, it would hurt me. I'm not going to lie. But I would, or if they chose to marry somebody not Jewish, which is something I got from my parents, actually. My parents were like, we don't care, you know, what gender, what color, whoever you marry had better be Jewish. And I actually (laughs) said to my dad, well, what if I want to marry somebody black? He goes, he or she better be Ethiopian. And it was very, (laughs) Again, very liberal parents, and I didn't know that wasn't normal. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I know, right? Um, I, but I do think about it, and if I want them to love Judaism and be passionate about it, it can't be the same way I am. They're going to have their own experiences, but I need to give them the foundation, and they need to ha- they need it. To know the vocabulary, they need to know what are these these like. What does tzedakah mean? Why, when we light candles every Friday night, why do we say these blessings, and why are we lighting the candles to welcome Shabbat, and why do we put money in the tzedakah box every week? Why Mm -hmm. do we do that? Where does it go? You know, when we're celebrating Hanukkah, okay, Hanukkah has been a totally commercialized holiday. If you look at what Hanukkah is, it's literally nothing about presents at all. It's just that it, it, Christmas impacted it. So yeah. how do you make sure that people, the kids understand what Hanukkah is about mm-hmm. while still, yes, of course, letting them have presents because that would just be mean. So it, it in a way, it doesn't matter what I want or what my mm-hmm. exhaustion level with the Jewish community is. It, it doesn't yes. matter. I need to pull it together and provide it for my kids. And luckily my husband, Noah, you know, he is also in his own way. He's very involved in Canada in the, actually in the, the bigger Canadian Jewish picture. Um, And so this is something that's really important for him as well. So between the two of us, we pull it off. (laughs)
0: Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah. I think that was, those were the main points that I wanted to hit in this conversation. This was so revealing and so informative, but you did such a great job of telling it in such a fascinating way. I do feel like I have follow up <laughs> questions just off mic for later. But
1: I will answer anything. <laughs> and what's funny is that I feel like we, like, if people could have seen us and seen my giant hand gestures yeah. the entire time, again, like all the stereotypes, here I am.
0: I love it. Well, you are active in the Superstars Hangout. I am. Do you want to tag you and have follow-up questions? And I'm sure there's resources that you can share there. Also, um, for those of you who are superstars who are not on Facebook, don't forget you can always utilize the comments um, on Patreon, either on the Patreon app or go to the actual Patreon website and log in. Um, We do have comments on any post that goes up over there so that you can um, chime in. We don't want to be uh, so exclusive that we exclude our non-Facebooking superstars (laughs) (laughs) because we do have a good handful of those for sure. So, Julie, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. So great to hear. Um, Thank you for trusting your story to the superstars. And I can't wait to hear what people, what thoughts people have to share. So. Superstars, thank you again so much for your support. Thank you for supporting us so that we can create the Sort of Spicy series. Thank you for listening and we'll see y'all next time.